I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hi everyone, this is Kristen Sinanto Walker and our guest today is Dr. Kristen Neff. She is Associate Professor of Educational Psychology at the University of Texas at Austin. She is a pioneer in the field of self-compassion research, conducting the first empirical studies on self-compassion over a decade ago. In addition to writing numerous academic articles and book chapters on the topic, she is author of the book Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Kristen is also featured in the best-selling book and award-winning documentary The Horse Boy, which chronicles her family's journey to Mongolia, where they trekked on horseback to find healing for her autistic son. Our listeners will get a lot out of this show, hopefully some self-love and compassion. Thanks for joining us. Dr. Nath, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Now, I heard about you uh, through your, is it your your ex-partner? Uh, yeah, Rupert. Rupert, yes. yes. My ex, yes. Yeah, I, I met him at the um, Human Animal or Animals on the Mind conference in Denver. And uh, he yes, came on the show yes. for a little bit, did like a 10-minute snippet, and then said, you really need to talk to the mother of my child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I said, well, I already yeah, like her because her name's Kristen, and she spells it the same. So. That's, that's right, the right way. Exactly. <laughs> now, let's talk about – well, actually, we were just talking about something uh, before we hit record. Uh, you want to go ahead and share that again so our listeners know about it? Oh, about the Longhorn? Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, so, um, you know, the self-compassion work is really taking off and more and more people are learning about it and wanting to get training in self-compassion to help them, you know, basically with emotional resilience. So, um, uh, Shaka Smart, the head coach of the UT Longhorn basketball team and his assistant coach, Denny um, Craper, approached me and said they would like me to teach their players self-compassion this fall because he, they, they said they noticed that when they were really critical of themselves and they missed a shot, the game wasn't so well, that their performance worsened. So, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. I, so the assistant coach, Danny, I said, well, you've got to take our, our mindful self-compassion program. If you want your players to know this, you've got to practice it yourself. 
Mm. So he just finished the course and he loved it. So that's, that's quite exciting. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. What do you think this is about? This uh, new awareness that's you know that you're getting to go and do this in, in sports, Kristen. Well, I think for one thing, the research base is so large now. You know, there, there are so many cult- cultural misperceptions about self-compassion. People think it's self-pity. People think it's self-indulgent. People mm. think it's going to undermine your motivation. People really are afraid that maybe self-compassion isn't such a good thing. But there are hundreds and hundreds of research studies now showing that um, self-compassion increases your motivation. It makes you take more responsibility for yourself and your health than self-criticism does. Um, it helps you have better relationships, give more to others. And so I think people are finally starting to pay attention, um, in part because the research shows that it's so powerful. Um, and in fact, I would say one of the biggest fears is self-compassion is somehow weak or wimpy. You know, right. it sounds soft, right? When in fact, the research is showing that if you are a good friend to yourself, if you're an inner ally rather than an inner enemy, and most of us are inner enemies, right. but we cut ourselves down mercilessly, mm-hmm. that we are so much more able to cope with life's challenges. It's really one of the biggest strengths we can have. Um, and it kind of makes sense, but because I think it's not part of our culture, people mistrust it. And now people are starting to come around in large part because it's got the research to really back it up. So Good. That makes sense. I mean, it makes sense why our shows have gotten so popular because I've been shocked yes. at how quickly we've had listeners jump on board and a lot of men just like craving to be able to, you know, not that they aren't this way already. It's like they have always been this way and now they have permission to be this way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's very, very heartening for me um, how many people are interested in just realizing that they're normal way of treating themselves has not been working you know and after you bang your head against the wall for long enough hopefully (laughs) there's some openness to thinking well maybe there's another way and i think that's kind of what's happening so very exciting well i'll tell you it took um it took me uh dealing with some really selfish selfish people (laughs) for me Mm -hmm. to crack open Mm -hmm. enough to get to this place of self-compassion so you know i say thank you to them i wouldn't say it to their face but i i say thank you to them from afar (laughs) (laughs) yes to the end result yes (laughs) thanks for being a part of my journey towards healing but i'm not going to thank you yeah person (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, your definition or the definition of self-compassion. Yeah. So, you know, in terms, an easy definition is what I've been talking about, which is just thinking about being a kind, supportive friend to yourself. That's something most people understand. But my, my formal definition of self-compassion is a little more involved. So um, not only does it involve being kind to yourself as opposed to harsh there's two other elements of self-compassion that are that are really important. Um, one is that it involves a sense of common humanity, right? Recognizing that all human beings are imperfect, all human beings struggle and have challenge in their life. But the reason that's important is because if you didn't have this recognition of common humanity, self-compassion Self-compassion could easily devolve into self-pity, right? Oh, poor me, feeling Mm. sorry for Mm. oneself. No one likes self-pity, and self-pity isn't very useful. Mm. But compassion, the actual word compassion means to suffer with. There's there's a shared um, 
experiencing compassion. So what happens with self-compassion is, yes, we, we realize we're imperfect. We aren't the only one who's imperfect. This is part of the shared human condition. We realize we struggle and all people suffer. So what happens, I mean, if you think about it normally, when we fail or make a mistake or we get that diagnosis from the doctor, our immediate kind of irrational reaction is something has gone wrong. You know, this isn't supposed to be happening. As if normal is supposed to be perfect. Right. And when it's not perfect, something has gone wrong. And what happens is we feel really isolated and cut off from our fellow human beings. But with self-compassion, we remember, hey, it's human to have difficult things happen. This is normal in a way. And not that it makes it okay, not that it makes it any better, but at least we don't have to feel like it's just me. Um, and in fact, if we can connect to the fact that, you know, all human beings have their own flavor of suffering. You know, the amount is different, the way it manifests is different, but this is what actually connects us rather than what separates us. So that piece is very important. And then the, the third part of self-compassion is actually something that's been getting a lot of press these days, uh, and that's mindfulness. So, right. so mindfulness and self-compassion, they kind of come from the same tradition, kind of Eastern contemplative practice tradition. Mm -hmm. um, so as you know, mindfulness refers to the ability to kind of turn toward and be present with whatever's happening, even if what's happening is unpleasant. So when, when a painful emotion arises or, or something you know, that we don't like is happening, right. it's like having the courage to stay with it and be with mm -hmm. it as opposed to either running away from it and suppressing mm -hmm. it or trying to fight it. Yeah, so I was we just... have to be mindful sorry, <laughs> to have self-compassion. Otherwise, we, we couldn't open our hearts yourself. The running away from, from all your feelings is very uh, easy to do. <laughs> It's easy, but sadly, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. In fact, if it worked, I'd say go for it. <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah. Like it. So, yeah, resist it. Why not? But sadly, it doesn't. You know, we know that what we resist persists. That if we try to ignore it or avoid it, it just ends up getting stronger. Hmm. So, um, I was actually doing some teaching with Brene Brown, and she said, "You know, Kristen, I don't like the term mindfulness. It sounds a bit woo-woo to me. Can we <laughs> rename it courageous presence?" So. You know, and we really have to be courageous and present toward our, you know, those when we when we blow it, when we hurt someone's feelings, when we make a mistake, when we fail, when we get that diagnosis. You know, we have to be very courageous and able to turn toward it, to accept that this is happening, to be with it. Mm. But then we spawn with this kindness and concern and connectedness. Um, and it's really, it's kind of the first step of self-compassion and being brave and present with what's happening. And it's funny, some people think that self-compassion means letting yourself off the hook. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, oh, I, 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 you know, snapped at my wife, but it's only human. Quite the opposite. We find that self-compassionate people are much more likely to own it, to take right. responsibility for what they've done. Because it's safe to do. You know, they aren't saying that they're a horrible monster because they made a mistake and therefore they're much more able to admit they made a mistake yeah i like so. that look at it because yeah. Yeah, i you know there's all these declarative statements especially in you know recovery 12 step which i am a firm believer in but there's so much of saying i am this i am that and i always think you know i don't want to say before i go to the bathroom that i am codependent or i am this because i don't want to keep putting those words out there 
you know, there's something yeah, to do with owning I mean, that. And then there's something to do with, I don't want to keep, you know, saying that to myself mentally. So I, there's a, there's gotta yeah. be a world to walk in or a road to walk in between those two places. I mean, in psychology, people make a very big distinction between owning up to a behavior and identifying with it, right? So I did something bad, I did something wrong, but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I am bad, I am wrong. Right. Because the problem when we identify ourselves and we say, I am this, then we're, we're, we're taking the part of ourselves and we're generalizing it, when in right. fact we have a lot of other sides to ourselves, and many moments when we aren't like that. But we also want to own our behaviors. So really framing things in terms of behavior. So I have times when, I, when I'm codependent. Not like I am a codependent because yes. that kind of precludes the possibility that there's moments when you aren't feeling codependent, you know? Well, if I so, have to go yeah, to the bathroom, next time I will say I'm t at times codependent. <laughs> Instead of yes. I am codependent. You know? <laughs> But, but that's, that's the reality, isn't it? Most of us aren't one thing right. every single moment of the day, you know? And, and, and if we acknowledge reality, it gives us a little more spaciousness, flexibility to also choose alternate paths of behavior. Right, so, right. Part of that, you know, owning it, which I get, um, but it's really hard for people that have had trauma in their background because you already shame yourself. Yeah. Felt like I was like those Catholic priests that go around with the whips, you know, no one could whip me or say worse things to me than I say to myself. And so now I got to go own it. Oh my God. You know, keep more shame and guilt. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think a lot of us so, close up and, and then act out of that uh, in anger or whatever, not because we are horrible people, but because we have, so, we're carrying so much shame. Yeah, absolutely. So self-compassion, it's funny. So what the research shows, this makes sense, it's positively linked to guilt. Mm. So in other words, if you've hurt someone or done something bad, self-compassion actually helps you acknowledge it and feel badly about it. You want to feel badly when you've done something wrong or hurt someone and take steps to repair it. But it's negatively linked to shame. So shame, again, is that I am somehow a bad person. Right. Shame is incredibly self-focused. Shame undermines our ability, actually, to take action and make things better because it's so debilitating, shame. Um, so self-compassion, in many ways, is an antidote to shame. It's yes. saying, hey, yes, I did something wrong. I feel bad. This is this is my flavor of the human experience, but it doesn't mean that this defines who I am. And that actually is precisely what gives you possibility to take different actions. Absolutely. I mean, there's I don't know who wrote this, but some, maybe it was Brene Brown or you or someone else. But about that, there's absolutely no growth in shame. So if you want to grow, go for the guilt. <laughs> Yes, that's um, lovely. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're a little kid and you have some traumatic experience or there are a lot of listeners that, you know, that had sexual abuse um, by a parent, which, you know, that you can't get any more shame around that yes. than that experience. And so you grow up yes. thinking that you be, this happened to you, and so you are there for the only reason a child's mind can rationalize that is to say, well, it must have happened because I am toxic. That's right. And so yep. you play that's your right. life in that in that shame, and that's a horrible place to live. Yeah, it is. And so we need to have great compassion for the pain of shame. You know, we all have moments of it. Again, as you say, some people based on the history more than others. Mm -hmm. So when, when we touch shame, the first step 
is to have incredible tenderness and kindness and caring for how incredibly painful it is to hold that shame. And that's actually the first step. Rather than being lost in the shame, you actually rest in the love that holds the shame. And that's where the freedom lies. Mm. It's absolutely the best if there are caring people in one's life who can take that first step for you. Um, sadly, sometimes people are so lost in their own shame that they can't even accept that from other people. Right. This real humility and self-compassion. Yes. You know, ironically, often when we beat ourselves up, we criticize ourselves mercilessly, there's this kind of unspoken feeling like, well, actually, I should have been able to be perfect. Somehow I was special enough not to have, you know, that it's, it's almost like reverse um it's kind of where I hope this doesn't come off too strong, but it's almost like a reverse narcissism. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I I am not, I can't accept that I'm a flawed human being. I should have been better or right. something like that. When you have self-compassion, you really are just honestly saying, you know, I'm not better than anyone else, but I'm also not worse than anyone else. I'm just a human being trying. I mean, that's basically the human condition, isn't it? Yes. And that puppy isn't, isn't you know, and it's really a humble agenda, I think, to just really say, hey, I'm no better or no worse than anyone else. I'm just I'm just doing the best I can like all of us. Wow. So um, I think kind of reframing it a little bit helps us let go of the need to be perfect, you know, because whoever, whoever said they were going to be perfect, you know, show me the contract. <laughs> I didn't sign one. <laughs> so, yeah, so... <laughs> I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. How is it for you every day to wake up and live in this knowledge that you have? How is it for you with yourself? Um, <laughs> well, I have to say it's been, it's been such a blessing in my life, you know. I mean, so I am, I'm just as messed up as ever. I don't be active. I still make mistakes. It would be nice to think that I'm some other you know, calm, equanimous Buddha woman. I'm not. Right. But I really do have the practice of self-compassion, right? It's, it's my first instinct now. Um, there's, a, there's a meditation teacher in, in Scotland called Rob Narn, and he says, you know, the goal of practice, kind of meaning all, whatever type of practice you mean, but the goal of practice is to be a compassionate nut. When things are difficult and they still get difficult, I just know that I can always rest in the love and compassion that holds the suffering. So it's a safety net for me, you know. So, yeah, I, I fall down and I make mistakes, but I never get too far off track because it kind of always keeps me centered. At the end of the day, that's what I care about most 
is the compassion. And the rest of it, you know, I just do the best I can. <laughs> it really does work. I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I've seen it work in my own life over and over again. You know, like with my son Rowan, you, you know the story from Rupert. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know how I would have gotten through those days and, and his crazy idea to go to Mongolia on horseback, to, you know, from shaman to shaman, I mean, what the, you know, oh my God. The self-compassion, the self-compassion is what got me through, I can tell you, absolutely. Um, it's a very, very stable, steady friend. It is. It's, oh. it's helped yeah. me so much to do this show personally. I mean, I, I wouldn't have cared if I never had a, a single listener. And I think that's probably why we have so many, uh, because that was never the agenda. It was that I could talk to people like you and just get so many different ideas and ways of being and how it's absolutely true. You can be a bestseller, multimillionaire, whatever, and you're just as messed up as anybody else on a, in any given moment. That's right, yeah. But also just as beautiful as anyone else exactly. in a given yeah. moment, right? I mean, life yeah. is full of all, all sides of the spectrum. So. Mm. Good. See, you do go right there. I go straight for the yeah. stuff in your life, but you can also be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So how? what are you doing now? What? I know you're not in Mongolia anymore, so what? what is no. Gonna, what is, <laughs> so what? So my... So I'm a, I'm a professor at University of Texas at Austin. So, I, you know, I do research on self-compassion and I mm. teach courses in it. It's great. I teach undergraduates and graduates. I teach them mindfulness and, and compassion. Um, so, but my big interest these days is uh, teaching people how to be more self-compassionate, right? I don't need to theoretically prove any points anymore. I'm really interested in how do I help people learn to be a better friend to themselves. Mm. So I started something with my, my colleague, Chris Germer, called the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion. And um, we've developed an eight-week training program for, for people to learn skills of self-compassion, which we've done research on, and it's very, very effective. All the skills seem to be maintained for at least a year. Um, so I go around the world teaching people either, you know, sometimes the longer workshop, I have to do a lot of shorter workshops to get people kind of feet in the door. Um, but, but the program's being taught all over the world now, uh, MSC program. And that's, that's very exciting for me. And we're teaching trainers to teach the program. Um, then my next project is to, uh, see if I can have some success with a much briefer training. Mm. For both teachers in the Austin area, both teachers and um, medical residents, because they don't have time to do an eight-week program, two and a half hours once a week. They're just so stressed, I'm burnt out already. So we're going to see if we can get with a much smaller dose, like um, three or four 90-minute sessions, and see if we can just teach them enough to help them cope with things. So I'm going to be starting that project as well. I really want to get this out there as widely as possible. That's right. my big passion in life. Just with the people who've taken our course, I mean, we, we stay in contact with a lot of people who've taken the course. We've got practice groups. Um, it, see, it really does seem to change people's lives because it's, it's a whole different way of relating to yourself, something that can be sustained over time. So it's, it's really exciting. That's unbelievable. I mean, of course. Who would it not help? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. 
anybody could use a little more self-compassion. But yeah, know. a little more kindness. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's true. I was thinking about you talking about how we we go to a very isolated place. Um, it does help to think mm. you're not the only person in the world that's dealing with this, even if it's something you're you know, you feel guilty about. Yeah, that's right. It's so funny how the mind immediately wants to go there. Um, but that's just the nature of the mind. We know, we know logically it's not true, so it's a matter of reminding ourselves that it's not true. But that's also why it's helpful, you know, so helpful to talk to friends that have support groups, because they're the ones who really show us our common humanity. You know, when they say, oh yeah, I felt this way, or I wouldn't do that, you know, it's so helpful to remind us that it's not, that it's not just us going through it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we reach out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so you're going to be doing more traveling. And do you have another book that you're going to be putting out? Um, I now am working with my colleague, Chris Grimmer, on a self-compassion workbook. Okay, cool. So we're coming out with a manual for our long program. We're also coming out with a workbook for people who just kind of want the exercises and want to know what to do. So I'm working on that right now. Um, I also have some online courses. I, I guess I just came out with a short online course with Renee Brown, which um, I got to say, came out pretty well. I'm pretty happy with it. She's got some magic about her. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So I, was, I was teaching with her for the first time, and, like, my teaching was better. Somehow she drew out the best teaching to me. So I've got that mm. going on, and then I'm going to be recording um, an eight-hour course. So I think that what I'm really working on now is just different formats, different venues for people to learn self-compassion. Because I, I really, really want everyone to be able to learn this skill. You know, I, I know how transformative it is. So I, I'm just very passionate about spreading the word. In my TED Talk, I make a joke that I'm a self-compassion evangelist. And I really kind of am, you know, I just because I know, I know how helpful it is. You know, they don't have to believe in anything. They don't have to believe in me. I just want them to know that there's this resource that they have in their own back pocket Absolutely. that they just have to remember to pull out, you know, in times of need. So, and you know, it is yeah. true. I want to, I want to honor what you just said about, um, about Brene Brown, not about her specifically, but there are people out there that just, there's something about them that they just bring out, like, you know, the best in other people, and that's what they're here for. Yeah. It's their job. I, yeah, it's true. I usually yeah, attribute those people to empaths. Yeah. Um, but, um, huh. yeah, that tends huh. to, I feel like that's my job. Helps yeah. me feel as good uh -huh. as possible about themselves yeah. on their journey, even sometimes if uh, what I'm bringing up is painful for them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's not about feeling me. good. Right. That's right. And, and there's there's also a saying we have in our program is that self-compassion is about goodwill, not good feelings. When we when we when we want to be a good friend to ourselves, when we care about our suffering and want to alleviate our own suffering, we can't control whether we're feeling good or bad in the moment. Like we, we don't want to just be kind to ourselves so that we'll just make all the pain go away. It's really about opening to the fact that sometimes there is pain, mm -hmm. you know, and so self-compassion is like it's like setting our intention to do what we can to help, to do our best, to be a good supportive friend to ourselves, 
But at the end of the day, we can't control if we're feeling grief or shame or, or sorrow or happiness or something else. So it's really a matter of just opening to whatever we're feeling and when what we're feeling is difficult, being a good support to ourselves, but really letting go of the agenda that somehow our life is about uh, supposed to be about just feeling happy all the time because that's just not the way it is. You know, we do our best, <laughs> but it's that it's that uh, it's that clinging to the idea that we're supposed to feel happy and good all the time that often gets us in trouble. Mm, so um, yeah, it's really about angry. goodwill, not the being. Yeah, it gets us angry at other people if we feel like they are not making us happy. Or that's right. Somehow that's they're true. responsible. I, I tell my ex-husband all the time, I am so sorry <laughs> because I was so young and I just expected yeah. him to fulfill every need I had and every, I mean, my God, it, it was a no win. I call it the Kobayashi Maru marriage because it was, he was never going to win huh. ever. Yeah. Thank, thank yeah. God that's true. Friends, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry to keep on popping up these research findings, but nonetheless, research shows that self-compassionate people are described by their partners as being much more giving, much less controlling, much less needy, much more capable of intimacy in the relationship, precisely for that reason. Mm. You know, because they can need a lot of their emotional needs. They aren't expecting their partner to, like, need every single need they have exactly when they want it, exactly as they want it met, right. you know. A lot more uh, freedom and flexibility so that that relationship has more of a chance to thrive. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay, well, thank you. I How much do I owe you for this therapy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Woo. Mm. Okay, I think we should uh, end on that note. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you? Yes, well, if you just Google self-compassion, my website's the first one that comes up. So um, it's, the actual site is uh, self-compassion.org, but, you know, just Google it anyway and it will come up. And on the website, I have a lot of free resources. You can take the self-compassion test. I have exercises. I have guided meditations. Um, and if people are interested in actually taking the eight-week mindful self-compassion course, there's a link to that website as well, which is uh, centerformsc.org. Um, so there really are a lot of resources, including you can take the course online now if there's not a local course taught in oh, your yeah, area. So immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also there's my course with Renee, which is a much shorter course. It's cheaper. It's just like. It's just like four 20-minute sessions. So if people want a, a small entry without committing to a big thing just to try it out, I think that's a good entry point, my course with Renee. Mm. So that's available as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I'm sorry for the trouble in the beginning, but, you know, it was all meant to happen the way that it did. So thank you. That's right. That's for all the good work. And thanks to our uh, listeners for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, 
or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.